This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Masters of Mixology. If you've been to Segerfield in the past few seasons, then you've seen Gus and his troop of bartenders serving fans all over the stadium. Well, they all work for the same company, and man, is it a cool one. Masters of Mixology are an everything-you-need, on-the-go bartender service. If you have a party or an event coming up, the Masters of Mixology will bring the bar, the bartender, and the supplies to you. All you need to do is bring the guests and have a good time. They pride themselves in their hospitality and their commitment to excellence in all things from curated cocktails and wine tastings to classroom-style events and a more personalized experience for you and your guest. Also, they offer short-term staffing solutions for understaffed restaurants and bars with a massive knowledge base of classic cocktails. So next time you have a need for a well-shaken cocktail, then don't just hire a bartender, hire a master of mixology. there folks and welcome to another episode of the next in line podcast brought to you by rfk refugees sports network uh in the booth today you got adam davis and i'm going to talk to you about some of the news floating around loudon um some some signings and some other fun tidbits uh talk about the most recent pittsburgh riverhounds match and uh, i'm going to finish off talking about the state of the eastern conference our playoff hopes um, and uh, upcoming matches, specifically Saturday's match. So we'll start off with the great, the, the fun news, uh, you know, the good news. Um, talking about new signings, I've been critical in the past of a lack of new signings coming into the building um, at a time when other teams were strengthening. Um, but the team has, has has made a number of signings in, in uh, the, the final hours of the August, early September uh, window. Uh, most notably uh, is, uh, and I've, I've already mentioned him, but I'm going to talk a little bit more about who he is and some details, is, uh, is youngster Harvey Neville. Um, and uh, the reason I re-mentioned, just, just to say, uh, you know, son of Manchester United and Everton legend uh, Phil Neville um, and, and nephew of, of, of Gary Neville as well, if you're familiar with, with English Premier League stuff. Um we already know uh, where he plays on the field. He's a he's a right back, um, and, and why he was brought in, which was to supplement Coa Santos, who who looks like we're losing to injury. I'm going to talk a little bit more about Coa and talk about injury news and stuff as well. Um, but it came up through the Manchester United youth program. So that, so this is where like the this is where the interesting stuff is that maybe folks didn't know. Um, he he moved across town to Manchester City's academy, spent some time there. Um, and, and even spent some time down in Valencia's academy before returning to Manchester United. Uh, he was capped uh, in the U23 side before heading, following his father, to Miami, who took up the uh, inter-Miami CF head coach role there. Um, got his professional debut with their number two side, which is a, a USL League One side called Fort Lauderdale FC. Now uh, is called Miami uh, FC2, I believe, or Inter-Miami, excuse me, Inter-Miami yeah, Miami FC in our, in our league. The more important, Miami. Uh, Inter-Miami uh, 2, uh, which plays in MLS next. He spent some time with this this year as well. Um so uh, he's had the majority of his time spent there. Uh, this season, um, he has he's had a, a couple of. I think he had for for Miami too, and for Fort Lauderdale, I think he he had around 15 appearances, um, but only four appearances this year for the MLS side. 
uh, only accrued 32 minutes of play. So he's already played more for Loudon than he ever played uh, for the MLS Inter Miami side. Um, Got to get my Miamis right. Uh, he, he's a 21-year-old. He's got citizenship with England and Ireland um, and, and an absolute monumental amount of upside uh, as someone who's coming from uh, some of the best academies in the world uh, but hasn't really had a chance to show what he's got yet. Um, so those two appearances for Loudon, I don't think they've been the best so far, but I think that uh, you got to let it, give him time to settle in, and, and, and hopefully he's a name that, that Loudon is able to hang on to so we can see him uh, play at Segra next year as well. Um, of note, I'm going to talk a little bit about numbers, and I'll explain why after I make these three announcements, new signings. Not, announcements are not announcements. Everybody knows that they've already been signed if you're on social media, but if not, um, then, then here you go. Jacob Green, oh, excuse me, uh, number, Harvey Neville is, uh, is number 18. Spoiler alert, Jacob Green, uh, number 12. You know him, uh, you love him. You know, he's already had his first outing, I think a solid one, uh, against Pittsburgh Riverhounds. One of the better performers of the night. Um, not much really need to say other than the fact that he wasn't getting minutes at D.C. He needs minutes. He's a very, very high potential upside, uh, also youngster, that I think D.C. would, would like to either – um, sign for a longer-term deal or cash in on probably in the offseason. <clears throat> so uh, I think getting him some experience and some minutes allows them to, to make that decision on what they want to do with him in, in the future. Uh, he obviously is not refined and polished enough for them to have relied on him uh, in, in, in their need at left back and full back um, because he is capable of playing both left back and left wing back. But uh, And then the final signing, um, wearing a uh, Panos Armanakis' old number 10 jersey is Chris Hegart, um, who is a, is a youngster who has struggled for minutes for with Charlotte FC in the MLS. Um, uh, another good uh, high upside uh, youngster. He's probably one of the older players now on our team. Um, really cool story about him beating childhood cancer. I think it was liver cancer um, and, and meeting Messi for his uh, Make-A-Wish Foundation request. Um, and then getting to play against him later for Charlotte FC as a professional footballer. So that's just really cool stuff. Um, you know, we'll have more on him. We also got to see him get some minutes uh, in in the game against Pittsburgh, and I don't think they were as great as as we would have hoped. But um, we'll, we'd like to see him kind of in that number ten role, sitting behind uh, either Tommy Williamson or Zach Ryan, providing opportunities and drawing defenders off of them. Um, so yeah, all, all good and and well. Um, of note, the reason I keep mentioning those numbers, Harvey Neville being 18, Jacob Green being 12, and Chris Hegart being 10, is you're probably wondering, oh, this, some of those numbers have been taken already. Harvey Neville's 18 is, is a number we haven't seen worn this season, but Jacob Green's number 12 was worn by Jackson Hopkins, confirming that the MLS rules about loaning to one team twice in a single season makes him ineligible to return. Um, additionally, Chris, he Chris Hegart's number 10 is, is a very important number, right? And it was Panos's number while he was here. I don't know. I, I got a weird feeling about those numbers being recycled the way that they are. You see Jake Morris's number uh, having been recycled. You know, Hayden Sargis was wearing it before he came on. Um, it just kind of feels icky. I, I think I understand why number three, that's a pretty important number, and why number 10, also a monumental number of importance uh, on the field, why those were reused. But, like, 12, I don't know. It it kind of has like a cheap feeling to it, you know, especially when numbers like 21, which is a very, very prominent number for fullbacks and, uh, and, and wingers, um, you know, Gary, uh, excuse me, um, Ben Chilwell for, I think Chelsea, uh, plays, where's number 21 at left back. 
Um, number 24, number 25, also numbers that are not used yet. You kind of would hope to see more numbers used. I don't know. Maybe maybe they just really wanted those numbers and they heard they were available. But it just it, from a fan's perspective, it kind of makes you feel like the team's being cheap. Like they already had those numbers produced. They might as well use them. Um, and that doesn't, that doesn't feel good. You don't like that. But that's all I got about new signings and numbers and silliness. Um, <clears throat> yeah, be, be on the lookout for, for those, those numbers and names. Um, injury updates. So these these are not formal updates. I just want to let you know. Uh, no one's giving me, um, you know, pings on when people are returning or whatever. I think that they, they, they hold that stuff really close. Unfortunately, I don't agree with it. I don't like it. I like how um, leagues overseas do it where there's a requirement to provide some information. Um, it gives the fans something to hold on to, but I, I guess it holds back from the planning processes of opponent opponents' teams or um, but how much are they really going to plan for? So it looks like Koa Santos and Jake Morris are back in training. I don't know that Jake Morris was ever even on an injury report. He just hasn't been around. Maybe family issues, not sure. I am assuming he was injured, but it wasn't serious enough to send him back packing to Columbus for their trainers. I'm not sure. Um, only reason that we know he's back is because he got a new haircut and the team wanted to announce that. Uh, so that's great, I guess. Koa Santos uh, saw him ripping balls in on a, on a maybe a 5v5 or a 7v7 drill. So uh, both of them are capable of playing in attacking and defensive roles in the fullback positions or you know further up the field. Koa Santos had a pretty good run of form before getting injured um, in, in more of an attacking role, somewhere we hadn't seen him all season, but I was enjoying seeing him um, play in uh, over top of Aiden Rocha. Uh, Jake Morris has been good every minute. He's been on the field for us, um, so having him back I think would be great. Also, I can't confirm this. I, I, I swear I've seen uh, left-back Kwame Aua in training a couple times. I think he's even tweeted things about being healthy or getting healthy soon or back in time or whatever. Um, not sure if we're going to see him. I think he's on a two-year deal, so I'm, I'm, from what I'm understanding, he sh- we should see him next season. Um, but it would be great to have him back too. He's a very, very veteran, uh, experienced player, uh, someone I think I tipped in the first couple episodes as a potential captain for the team. So having him out there, I think, provides leadership and understanding and and expertise, professionalism, mentality, all that stuff that we're really lacking in right now. Um, And then final injury update is is not an update at all. It's just kind of a we're in the world is Carmen San Diego situation, and that's with Matai Akinboni. Kind of came back off the bench for a game, maybe the Sac Republic game. Uh, Don't know where he's been since then. I think he has – he's one of those – tremendous uh upside type players youngster big guy um able to body players twice his age and uh, i really really would love to see him out there especially as our defense continues to struggle other news this is the really cool news the fun news right you you always like get a little bummed when star players leave a team but you always follow them and you're excited when they have success um kevin paredes uh someone who we haven't seen play for us I know he played in the 2019 season a uh, number of occasions for Loudon. He, I think he played in that opening match right before COVID broke out um, alongside Moses Nyman in midfield. Um, he is a, a midfielder capable of playing in a defensive role, playing on the wing, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, so he, Kevin Paredes, who's currently with Wolfsburg in, in Germany, who – Played for the number two side for a little while when he first was sold by DC United, but has since moved up. Um, he wears a crazy number for spring numbers. I think he's like number 40 or 44 or something. Uh, he has officially been capped by the U.S. men's national team earlier this week. 
Um, got called up. I think he's been called up before for training camps for gold cups and whatnot, but officially capped, officially locked in, um, and kind of want to give him credit for an assist as well, although it was an own goal. But uh, the the youngster that everybody's fired up about in Miami, Ben Cremarchi, I'm not sure how to say his name, sorry. Um, you know, he uh, assisted what is really a goal for him, but it, not going to show up on the stat line. That's okay. Um, Christian Fletcher is a name that recently has been in the news that DC sold, uh, or not, excuse me, they, they loaned um, another huge upside, someone who has been on the radar in Europe before. I think Bayern Munich was looking at him for a little bit. Uh, but they loaned him to to English Championship side Swansea, where he is now getting minutes with the U21s and scored his first goal on a debut. So um, Kevin and Christian, awesome stuff. Uh, you know, C- Christian, I think, recently was in a Loudoun jersey, maybe even this season, I think, is maybe last season, I think. Definitely been hanging around Segra. So he's uh, enjoying life over in Wales. Um, for those of you who don't follow Welcome to Wrexham, that's... Uh, that's a country in the United Kingdom. Anyhow, um, Pittsburgh Riverhounds is the match that just occurred. Change, we'll change over to that. Um, I uh, In my notes, I've got not good underlined, um, but it's a team that I don't think we were expecting to do really good against. Uh, I'll go through the good, the bad, and the ugly, and we'll just kill it at that. We don't need to talk lineup or anything like that. Um, other than some of the new names appearing, like Jacob Green and and Hegart, um, getting getting minutes in in the starting roles, the the good, you got two things, and the first is Khalil El Medkar's goal, probably gonna steal goal of the season at the eleventh hour of the season, um, absolutely screamer, um, one of those goals that you often see taken. You're like, what are you doing shooting from there? There's opportunities. Um, Khalil's been on fire. Uh, you know, I think. I think Nanana Salandri has been my my nod for player of the season almost all season long. He's been, you know, other than maybe the first few weeks when Zach Ryan was just lighting things up. But I think Khalil is just just edging him, and, and goals are goals. Goals are the most important thing in this sport. And so he's scoring them. He's our most consistently goal-scoring individual. Um, gosh, I hope he's on a two-year contract because I'd love to see him out there uh, scoring goals for us again. Um I'll have to review some film and check out and make sure that he really is the the goal of the season. But I, I don't know. Spoiler alerts for the final episode of the season. I have a feeling um, he's going to steal it with that goal. Uh, it, it's up for goal of the week right now for the USL Championship, and it would be criminal if it doesn't win. Um, the other bright spot was Jacob Green put on a pretty solid performance returning to Loudoun. Um, you see players come from D.C. and they kind of like drag their feet. They're a little bummed that they're they're heading back, and you know it, it feels like they're taking a step back in their career. And um, it didn't seem that way for Kevin. He he showed up, um, and uh, and and killed it. Um, yeah. So I say Kevin Jacob Green. Uh, anyways, uh, Kevin Paredes. Yeah, moving back from from Germany. No, no, it's uh that uh, Jacob Green came back and and had a pretty good performance. He got the assist. Technically, I know it was a long shot and kind of Khalil did a lot of work on his own, but it is technically an assist for him. Um, you know, so. Yeah, I, I almost bagged man of the match. Obviously, that goes to Khalil with the goal. Uh, and you should go to nobody with the loss. But um, the bad, I would say Cole Turner and Giannis Learman weren't terrible. Um, even Harvey Neville wasn't too bad either. But, uh, you know, he, he was probably the only opportunity-creating person on the right side of the field. Uh, but he doesn't track back as well as I'd like him to. Cole Turner and, and Giannis Learman got sloppy in defensive positions um, and found themselves out of position as well. 
Um, so you don't want to like wag your finger too hard at the, the, the three of them, but I think that we, we should expect more out of those three players. Um, the rest of the players, I would say, fell below those the standard of those three. So it's not even fair to call them bad um, when in reality everyone else is. The ugly is, is I guess, everybody else. But uh, ultimately, the thing is, is Albert Dequa is Albert Dequa. He's really, really good at this sport, and he's going to do the things that he's going to do, and he did them to us. Um, if, if all that makes sense, then you know what happens. Um, we don't stand much of a chance uh, against this attack when we provide them opportunities like he had. Um and that's unfortunate because the door is pretty much closed, uh, almost completely closed right now for the playoffs for, for Loudon. It would take, um, well, we'll get into that, but it would, it, it's tough. Um, it's tough because there's points on the table and, and, and foolish decision-making, I think, that at times that, 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 that burn us. Um, not foolish, but lapses of judgment, I think. And so um, players like Albert Dequa, who are sitting at the top of the table right now for, for goals scored on the entire league, uh, they are, they're, they're able to create opportunities. They're able to make runs that that, that open up uh, lanes for uh, other attacking players. And they're able to just score goals on their own as well. So can't do that. Um, and there are going to be other players, maybe not Albert Dequa, but other players of that caliber that we're going to face in the coming weeks, most notably against uh, Charleston Battery. Um, so talk about that upcoming match, Charleston Battery. Salute to service or salute to American night. Um, at Segura Field. Also, the Supporters Night. Big shout-out to the Loudon Stampede. Um, and uh, so I hope to see people out there. I think they're doing, like, a giveaway for hats and stuff. Uh, excuse me, the team is. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, that, that's that's all great. I love to see that there's continued um, events and, and, and fan-based uh, fun going on at Segura Field, despite maybe the fact that the season is, is wrapping up uh, from a playoff perspective. Um Charleston started the season off as one of the worst teams in the league. And uh, since then, they have clawed their way to being one of the best teams in the league. That's a feat. Um, I think they've already made the playoffs. I think they're already in the playoff conversation. Um, briefly, I'll just say players to watch. I'm not going to talk about matchups. I'm not going to talk about where we are compared to them on the table. It's not good. Um, right now, I think they're sitting third in the table. And I talked about this, that the final stretch of games is going to have our the first place, second place, third place, fourth place, and fifth place teams um, this is, we're still in it, guys. This is, this is tough. Um, Ferdale Barajas is second in the league right now for assists. He's got eight. I think he's bagged an assist against us. He's first in the Eastern Conference. Leland Archer has been just a, a, a wonderful defender. Um, and, and he's got some, some versatile players that, that have substituted in and, and worked in with him, uh, including versatile fullback Derek Dodson and, and defensive midfielder Chris Allen. All notable players that you got to watch out for. Augustine Williams has been on fire of late. He's got 11 goals. He's in the conversation toward the top of the table for, for Golden Boot. Obviously, nowhere near Dequa's, I think, 17 or 18 he now has. Um, huge standout, former Loudon goalkeeper Trey Muse is leading the league right now in clean sheets. Um, I think the team in general is, is, is second in clean sheets. He's been just amazing in goal for them. We'll probably travel with. And Nick Markinich is, uh, has been really, really thrashing defenses from the midfield position, attacking midfield role or on the wing when he's healthy, um, including our own. I think he got a brace against us last time out in a 3-0 victory, I believe. Um, so, yeah, to, to close out, you know, we'll talk about the state of the Eastern Conference, uh, where we are, uh, 11th place. So we got 24 points. Uh, who's ahead of us? That's uh, Miami. They're in 10th with 29 points. Their next match is those tough Pittsburgh Riverhounds. So um, it would be an upset if they were able to get any points at all there, uh, even though it's a, it's a home match for our Miami. 
Ahead of them is FC Tulsa in ninth with 33 points. Again, we have 24 points there. So ninth, which is not a playoff spot, is 33 points. You, you understand, you start to begin to see why I'm saying the door is pretty much, is, is essentially closed. It's, it's, it would be an almost impossibility for us to make the playoffs at this point, um, despite mathematically not being eliminated. Although mathematically, we may be eliminated as, as, as early as this weekend. Um Next up for FC Tulsa is Oakland Roots. They're sixth in the West, uh, kind of floating around. Uh, a good team, a bad team sometimes. That's a that's a team that Tulsa's been on fire recently. They could very easily get that win. Um, they've made some, some, some slip-ups as well, though. Detroit City FC is in eighth. They're in the final um, playoff spot, and they've got Phoenix Rising, um, who are in fifth in the West. Birmingham's win over New Mexico, a couple notes here, is that Birmingham's win over New Mexico on Sunday night all but, I, I think, like solidifies them in like the 6th or 7th place spot. So I don't really even need to, to mention them in, in the playoff contention points. It would take a failure for them uh, to, to be back into whether or not they... It, so What I'm saying is that between us, Miami, and, and not even really us, but Miami, Tulsa, and Detroit, there's really three teams vying for one final playoff spot. Um, both Tulsa and Detroit play against good Western Conference teams that are in playoff spots, but the table is very, very close out in the West. From 7th to 11th place, there's only a 5-point difference. So, very different than how the Eastern Coast is, East Coast, Eastern Conference is shaking out. Um, what does that mean for us? It means those Western Conference teams have a lot to play for, if not the same amount to play for that Tulsa and Detroit do. Um, yeah. That's it. You know, how, what are the chances that we make the playoffs? Less than what percent? I think that uh, USL Tactics, John Morrissey over there, is, is putting us at 3% right now. I think he's very favorable. I don't know how he does his maths, but he, uh, he, he's, always, um, he's always, you know, kind <laughs> to us. But um, we would pretty much need all the teams above us to, to not play each other and to lose all their matches. And then we'd need to win out uh, for us to have a chance at, at stealing that final playoff spot. Um, but yeah, I, I think we're closing in on mathematical elimination, which is, you know, an inevitability and that's okay. Um, it, it is, does that mean that this season is a failure? I will, I think time will tell. Um, I think the changes that are made in the off season, whether that's roster or front office will tell. Um, but you know, even if we don't make the playoffs, which we won't, um, there's a lot, a lot to be excited about in the future and the, and the changes that are coming and, and everything. So so keep keep uh, keep coming out and keep tuning in and uh, it's I hate to end on a on a bummer of a note. There's there's plenty of happy things in this episode. I'm I'm trying to line up uh, an interview for us in the in the coming weeks. Hopefully I can make that happen and I'll do some more uh, where are they now segments when I uh, stop rambling for as long as I have on this episode. Um, but that's all I got for now. So uh, as always, thanks for tuning in and uh, I'll catch you next time out here. <laughs>